You're listening to Giants Croncast, a podcast chronicling the San Francisco Giants, featuring Brian Murphy and Doug Brazoni, part of FFSN, Fans First Sports Network. Okay, well, the Giants didn't quite pull off that sweep in Milwaukee, but it was it was still a great weekend and a great week all the way around, wouldn't you say? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you go five and two on the road against two good teams. Um, you you can't complain about that. There, are, you can have quibbles with certain individual guys. We'll probably get to that later. But as a whole week, as a direction for the team, yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what you would see. And. You know, I think everyone wants to see the sweep, obviously. And barring that, winning a series, especially a four-game series, fantastic. Uh, Right under that, if you're not going to get the sweep, I like that they had the comeback in in the fourth game and late in the game. They scored, they had the four-run inning, and they closed it. They lost by two. You know, you thought they were out of it when Alex Cobb just completely farted himself to death in the first couple of innings. And uh, to see them rally and keep it close, I like that. It's very tough to sweep on the road, three-game series, four-game series, what have you. So to see them putting up a fight, I'm very appreciative of. And then against the Twins, do you remember last season's series? What a deflating sweep in Minnesota that was. So to see them come back and take the series this weekend or this past week, especially the whole Carlos Correa part of it, was pretty cool. I also want to take this moment to solicit listener questions for our end of the month mailbag. We're going to be recording next week. Doug, we're going to do a bullpen trust power ranking and a mailbag. Brian, that's crazy. We're crazy people for doing that. I don't know if we're going to have the bandwidth, but we're going to go for it. We're going to try to balance it all. Okay. This episode, we're going to talk about Patrick Bailey a little bit more, Mitch Hanniger a little bit more, because these are all things that we talked about last week in part. And then we're going to talk about what we found interesting and concerning about the Giants this week. The first thing I want to mention about Patrick Bailey, Doug. So last week I kind of left it at exciting player. Great. He's stealing uh, strikes and stealing hearts, right? And uh, But also he kind of vaguely reminds me of A.J. Pruszynski. And I was going to write a whole... And you kind of agreed with me. And I was going to write a whole article yeah. about this. There was a time where I took an FBI facial recognition test and I aced it. It's like the only thing in my adult <laughs> in the last five years that I've ever aced. And so I, I'm able to, rec- to recognize faces. Well, it turns out AJ Pruszynski and, and uh, Patrick Bailey do not look alike. Not even at all. Maybe some spacing in the, uh, between the eyes and the bridge of their nose, maybe vaguely their mouth shape. The facial hair was certainly a, a, a thing that was kind of was like catching something in the light the wrong way. They kind of vaguely resembled, um, at certain my memory of AJ Pruszynski at certain periods of time. By the way, if you don't remember, AJ Pruszynski on top of being an asshole, Doug, he's had terrible hair in his baseball career. I would have brought up the double plays is the first thing I think of. But the hair <laughs> is right there. Uh, Bad beard where he didn't have a mustache. It was just the beard. He would like dye his hair for, like he had to have the not even the frosted tips, just like platinum. A very unpleasant person all the way around, physically, professionally. And I think that's why I'm actually starting to think about A.J. Pruszynski and Patrick Bailey together. Patrick Bailey seems like he was interviewed uh, on one of them after one of the games. And there's like a a cockiness to him. Alex Pavlovich had posted a home run he did and he did like a bat toss and all that stuff. Bat toss is not inherently bad. There's nothing. 
But that coupled with this post-game interview he had, there's like a cockiness to him. And I guess what I'm what I'm picking up on is maybe, and I looked at their birthdays, so they're not, they're not even close on birthdays. So it's not a birth chart thing. You know, it's not like a sign thing. I guess I'm just saying baseball players all have the potential to be as asshole-ish as A.J. Pruszynski. And I guess I... I think if he's on your team, that's a good thing, except A.J. Brzezinski was on the Giants, and I just don't want Patrick Bailey following the asshole path too much. So, I mean, here, here's, why I, here's why I think he won't. A.J. Brzezinski hit left-handed, and Patrick Bailey's a switch hitter. But better left-handed. I'm not left-handed. sure why that matters, but it does. <laughs> he's better left-handed, but he hit his first homer right-handed. So I feel like... If you're a switch hitter, maybe you have to just you have to see things from multiple sides. You have to look at issues from other people's point of view. Adrian Krasinski <laughs> never had to do that. So uh, so I'm thinking that being a switch hitter is going to save his soul. Doug Brizzoni out here saying being a switch hitter builds empathy. That's right. <laughs> right here. You heard it from the Giants Croncast. And well, and, and a catcher. I think you can be an <laughs> asshole and a switch hitter. But then if you also have to, you know get in the pitcher's head and get in the hitter's head at the same time. I think that's, it's, it's too hard to be an asshole there. I think it's too hard to not think to not, to not have empathy. I think baseball players inherently to get where they are, especially professionally, they have to be assholes to some degree. And it's just, it's all, it's all in proportion, right? Don't, don't go too crazy. So my main concern is I actually am falling in love with Patrick Bailey very quickly. I'm just like, please, please don't be an asshole. Like, AJ Pruszynski, you don't have to be Buster Posey, of course, but please don't go that way. <laughs> That's all I ask. But they're not—they're not the same. They don't look the same. Just, uh, just very, very much uh, a warning. That—that's all. I just caught a glimpse of a potential dark uh, shadow figure within his psyche, and it resembled AJ Pruszynski. And so I'd, I'd like to avoid that whenever possible. I mean, I have to say the picture, the, like the first picture on, if you Google, if I Google Patrick Bailey, because I know they change it for, you know, based on whatever ads they're trying to sell you. Like, it's a little bit Pruszynski-ish. It just is. It's like from below him a bit. And like, you can see it. But it's like the, it's like an Amish thing. It's like the pictures capturing some part of his spirit. It's less the face. I mean, it's maybe it's, maybe it's his, um, his expression, maybe. Yeah. The, the, the old R- RBF, resting baseball face. <laughs> <laughs> so Bailey, beware. That's all I'm saying. Now, be yourself, but also always remember that there, that there is two paths that you can travel <laughs> I would think if you want to be known as a great catcher in your career, you don't want to be compared to AJ Brzezinski. No, I wouldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't want to be compared to AJ Brzezinski in any way whatsoever, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe Patrick Bailey grew up watching him on Fox on post game shows. And he's like, I like his attitude. We don't know how Patrick Bailey feels about (laughs) AJ Brzezinski. We don't know what his experience is with Brzezinski. We just know that what ours is, and ours is uh, an accurate depiction of the man's black heart. Yeah. And we hope that no one ever repeats that. No black heart in this ne- next uh, segment here. Casey Schmidt slipping Mitch Hanniger some Sour Patch Kids, which may have aided Mitch Hanniger's back-to-back home runs uh, uh, over the weekend in Milwaukee on Friday and Saturday. Uh, not as fun Sunday, obviously. But uh, I wrote about this. And uh, Sour Patch Kids, very bad for your teeth. 
highly acidic on the path to basically being like drinking battery acid. And you only have enamel. Uh, your enamel doesn't grow back. Once it's gone, it's gone. And all you can really do with certain toothpaste and fluoride is you can basically strengthen what's left, but acid will burn it away. That's the scoldy concern trolling of me. I just want to talk about this. Mitch Haniger is now entering the zone of playing at the level the Giants signed him expecting. That's a good thing. Let's just enjoy that Mitch Haniger is playing baseball better and we can directly, directly, Doug, assign it to Casey Schmidt. <laughs> That's right. I mean, everyone everyone loves Casey Schmidt's personality. And he's he's it's rubbing off on other players. Maybe that'll be the the way that the Giants counteract a little bit of Przinski-ness from one of their players. Who knows? Yeah. But, uh, you know, coming in right now, uh, Mitch Haniger on the season uh, per fan is at 0.2 war. This over the last week is at 0.4 war. So the last week has made him from a below replacement player to an above replacement player. And it's all because of two Sour Patch Kids. Mm hmm. Uh, you know, and also, finally, some balls are falling. <laughs> sure. his, his hard hit rates had basically been the highest of his career, but he wasn't finding holes. And I don't know. It's um, it's it's good to see it turning around. I think I joked last week and I'm still like, well, this is all fun until he gets injured, which we can also expect. But certainly um, part of the Giants turnaround here in the last couple of weeks where they've won 10 of 12 is that they that the guys that they were looking towards being the anchors or the core of the team are actually performing at that level. So are we seeing the very best of the Giants realize their full potential right now? Are we seeing that? Uh, I kind of think we're like 90% of the way there with a couple of exceptions, obviously, but it does seem like, you know, Tyro Estrada hitting the IL, that happened this week, having him in the lineup, He's their most valuable position player right now. And uh, he's the best second baseman in the National League. So losing him is going to hurt. Aside from that, everyone else, you know, Yastrzemski's back. You know, Michael Conforto stepping right in. Uh, he's starting to really be playing like the peak Michael Conforto. I don't know, Doug, what would you say? Are the Giants basically playing as well as they could given the roster? I'd say offensively, they're they're pretty much there even with uh... – Austin Slater and Jock Peterson and now Tyro out. Um, they're basically doing what you hope for offensively every game. Uh, and, you know, the pitching staff's had a good month. So, yeah, I mean, they're they're most of the way there, even though they're not fully healthy yet and not able to sort of mix and match the way they'd like to. And I think we can all safely assume that the, the team is never going to be fully healthy. You know, someone's going to be down here or there. But yeah, you name three big players that they are missing. And and it doesn't quite feel like their absence is vast. That the that the Giants have sort of figured out, fi- found some youthful players to fill in those depth pieces to kind of soften the loss, uh, Brett Wisely being one of them. Doug, I, I kind of blew through this part of the conversation, which was started about Mitch Haniger and Sour Patch Kids. Do you have any... Uh, either baseball superstitions or just writing superstitions or anything like that, that you employ in your daily life. You know, sometimes when I have a, I'm having a hard day at the keyboard, I'll take a tip from Moises Alou and pee on my hands to uh, <laughs> harden them up. 
Uh, but I mean, otherwise, that's that's really just about it. <laughs> yeah, you don't even dry it. You just go straight into the typing. Wet. No, I mean, I let, it, I let it air dry, obviously, because <laughs> otherwise you don't get the benefits. I have the same thing when I blog. I just but I make sure I pack an entire big league chew in the left side of my mouth. It's very important that it goes in the left side of my mouth. And I have to finish writing before the flavor is gone, which if you've had Big League Chew, it's pretty fast. But that's why you got to put the whole pack in there while you do it. <laughs> um, the dentist said, I really need to stop doing that. But I said, as long as I'm blogging, I'm Big League Chewing. <laughs> yeah, look, he doesn't know about writing. He knows about teeth. <laughs> you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> Doug, what's something about the Giants from this week that you found interesting? Brian, I'm so glad you asked me that. <laughs> It was scripted. I, I had to. Scripted. <laughs> Even though it has come in relief, I have been very happy to see Sean Manaya looking a lot better. You know, the Giants signed him to a, a two-year deal that's like, well, it's a one-year deal if he's good because he's going to opt out. And uh, he wasn't looking like he was going to opt out. So no. to see him come out of the bullpen, two games, he pitched five innings, didn't give up an earned run. Even with high BABIP, even with a couple, you know, walking a little bit more than you'd like to see, he uh, he struck out, I think, 11. And in those five innings, uh, walked three. So he was sort of getting closer to being the pitcher the Giants wanted to be. And, you know, it's possible that if he keeps that up, that maybe he will find his way into the rotation again. Um, and they'll give him a, a shot there. But it, it was encouraging to see him look like a major league pitcher in any role whatsoever. <laughs> Very encouraging. And that velocity, he, he's like stubbornly holding on to that velocity. He's like, no, I earned this. I worked hard <laughs> to, get, to get this fast and I'm going to keep throwing it. Uh, that's a good one. Uh, John Brebbia. Sorry, I'm taking, I'm taking you out, Doug. <laughs> I, 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 I found his month to be... Um, to be very interesting, he's bounced back and he has 13 strikeouts and 9.2 innings pitched, nine, uh, 0.93 ERA, 153 FIP, um, and that's in nine games. And again, through the month of May, it's like I wrote about this earlier in the week. It's not like a renaissance, but it and it and it's not even what I said last week, where it's like, hey, if you gave John Brebby a time off in between appearances. He'll, he looks like he bounces back. Doug, the Giants have already used him in back to back on back to back days six times already this year. They didn't do that with him last year when we all agree they pitched him into the ground, but he didn't do six to, six times in a row until the end of June last year. So he's already pitching like at a, a very high rate uh, already, and maybe he's just finally like accepted the lessons they've taught him. The only thing I could really tell is that before he joined the giants, he was throwing his forcing fastball a lot more. And then a slider, you know, coming off the fastball. And since he's been with the giants, it's, it's flipped, but it's always been like 51 49 or 50 and a half and, and a 49 and a half where it's been like just a little bit more slider fastball. And now this year, Right now, there's like a 6% gap between he's throwing the slider more and then the fastball. So I don't see how throwing the slider more makes it easier for him to throw 94 to 96 with this fastball. But he's got the Sean Mania mechanics going on the fastball, but he's using the slider to set it up. So 
it's working. And uh, at least in May, it seems like he's kind of turned it around. Caveat and poor, he is a reliever. So who knows? <laughs> yeah. You know, just to, to add another one to my list of guys who could be starters but aren't, uh, Tristan Beck. Had, yeah, uh, you took mine. Couple, good. Let's talk about it. A couple fantastic appearances against the Brewers. Went, I think, three and a third innings the first time, three innings the second time. Didn't give up a run. And he looked great. It's been very impressive to see him show up and do that. You know, it'd be, it's impressive to throw three, three scoreless innings against anyone, pretty much. But, you know, the Brewers are first place team. I know they're struggling a little bit, but they've seen him for six innings, six and a third, and they haven't touched him. So to watch his development, it's been impressive. And it's sort of making it an open question of who's going to get sent down uh, when the Giants call up uh, Luke Jackson, whose rehab is technically up pretty soon. Mm -hmm. I think the day this drops, though, they might we don't know how long they're going to keep him in Sacramento if they if he needs more work. But I mean, you don't want to send Tristan Beck down the way he's pitching, you you know, and just to 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 branch out a little bit. Jacob Junis also had a good week. Ryan Walker has looked outstanding since they called him up. Um, It's going to be a tough decision and in a good way, because there's a lot of guys in the bullpen who are pitching really well. He has six strikeouts in his last 6.1 innings. Those are the last two appearances that he had. And really, if you go back to Minnesota, uh, in Arizona, he got lit up. He had three runs in one inning, but so bad at math here. In his last nine innings, he has 10 strikeouts and he's allowed one run and he's not walked anybody. So, I mean, between he and Mania, you can already see like, well, there's maybe uh, a piggyback starter situation. I wonder, though, if it's like if we're in a zone where maybe Beck's going to even get a start. Luke Jackson is such an interesting conversation to have because he is basically John Brebbia 2.0, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the exact same concept that they had with Brebbia back in 2021. And I can't I'm really trying to think like, is Walker... You can option Walker down. That's not, I mean, that that's yeah. one guy that they can option down. You know, David VR is up because they're going to need a platoon with Brett Wisely at second base until Tyro Estrada comes back, which won't be until the fourth. You know, I can, I guess, you know, cause VR did not look, <laughs> uh, I guess it's only one game, right? And he's not even wearing his own clothes. So that's being very <laughs> unfair. It is an incredibly tough situation. Usually I like to think the Giants tend to find a phantom IL situation here, but everyone is pitching pretty well. The Junis part of this is so bizarre because I was not a, people were yelling at me on McCovey Chronicles, but like, I didn't think Junis is all that great. And uh, it's like, oh, the defense, the defense. And he didn't start out the season looking very great, but he has definitely looked the best version of himself the last week or so. And uh, week like last two weeks. So uh, that's very encouraging. What's something about the Giants from this week that you found concerning? Uh, mm, Blake Sable. (laughs) (laughs) You know, he 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 had actually. (laughs) I'm saying this uh, the day after he went one for three with three RBI. He had a home run in the seventh inning. I was part of that four run rally. I was like, that's so cool to see the Giants come back. But the Giants are six and 12 in games. He started as catcher. And I know in like Alex Cobb's calling his own game, StatCast actually likes him. He's got a 77th percentile pitch framing. He's half a win of Fangraph's war 
you know, he's positive on the offensive runs and defensive runs. It's there. Maybe it's just I'm annoyed that he was batting so high in the order up until Sunday. I'm not sure what it is, but there's something about him catching, you know, the six and 12 thing is what's standing out to me. And so I guess my concern is you can't do anything with him because I see why they want to keep him. They want to hold on to him for, am I correct? It doesn't have to be the whole year. Like they have, have I mean, mean, he can be IL'd or something. After a certain point, he doesn't have to be on the active roster. He has to be on the 40 man. Like they could IL him or something like that. Yeah. I mean, they they can't send him to AAA. Right, right. But yeah, if he got hurt, they could put him on the IL. But and I but I completely see why you want to try to hold on to him. There's no question, like as a twenty-fifth man or twenty-sixth man on the roster for sure right now, great. And he's when he's making contact, it's pretty hard, it's pretty hard hit. I think his um uh his barrel rates are in the top third of MLB and his hard hit rates are in the top half. His he's just striking out a ton. So he's not making a lot of contact, which you'd like to think will change with time and seeing more pitches. I guess what I'm finding concerning is like he's playing a lot and I guess the numbers show that he is helping the team, but maybe I should have not cemented this note. And after, you know, before he hit the three run home run, I'm not sure, but ah, that's my one of mine. What about you, Doug? Something that you found concerning in kind of a continuation of how things have been going for him this year. Anthony DeSclafani had, not a very good start. And so, you know, sometimes, you know, a guy has a bad start. Sometimes you don't worry about it too much. Over his last four starts, uh, he's pitched less than, he's pitched about five and a half innings to start with a 564 ERA. Uh, And you can kind of see that early, that such, that really, that early start that was so strong is sort of faded a little bit. And it's not fun, you know, it's, you know, it was four earned runs on the 24th in Minnesota, but it was seven runs total because there were also three unearned. He took the loss for that five and a third against the Marlins, two runs, which is a fine start, though he didn't get deep in the game. Uh, Before that, five innings against the Diamondbacks, three runs, took the loss. Before that, seven innings against Washington, which is good, but gave up those five in the first inning. And the Giants lost that game. So, I mean, it's he's not quite where he was in April. And I think it's probably not. He's probably better than this. That's a very selective endpoints uh, way to put it because the start before that was eight scoreless in Houston. But he's he's clearly not where he was at the beginning of the year. Either either he's regressed a little bit and his I think he has uh, his velocities come down a bit uh, or the league's caught up to what he's doing. But uh, either way, it's, you know, you're not really looking forward to his starts the way you used to because he he hasn't been anything special. I wonder if that toe is going to be an issue, if if that foot injury he suffered is is the thing. His uh, slider is still, I think, one of his more dominant pitches. It's still working. But, you know, if he's not if he's losing a little off the fastball, that could be a problem. Um he he could be an IL candidate, right? And you've got the Beck situation and what we just talked about. So maybe that could be something that happens, but that's a good one. So I mean, Giants fans listening, something concerning. Keep an eye out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> one other thing that's concerning is it, it seems like the Giants are striking out again at a high rate. So just, you know, here's a selective endpoint. Let's just go from May 1st to May 19th. So their first... 
19, uh, 17 games of the month, they were averaging 7.88 strikeouts per game. And then since then, I'm only noticing this because they struck out 11 times Sunday and then they uh, walked only once. Well, since May 20th, they're averaging 11.4 strikeouts a game. So they're actually striking out a lot more recently, which was what they were doing earlier in the season when the offense was struggling. It's hard to say that the offense is really struggling when they've, you know, they had, they've been scoring, uh, they scored 15 runs on, uh, on Saturday, uh, sorry, on Friday. And they, they've been okay. They've been hanging in games and the pitching has been helping them a lot, but uh, that, ratio of strikeouts to walks it was basically two to one for half the month and now the second half of the month it's gone up to five to one and that's bad you don't want that strikeouts to walk uh so that's concerning me yeah i mean considering the giants put such such an emphasis on controlling the strike zone seeing that kind of ratio is is pretty worrying because that's that's everything they start with and i know it's been working but if you kind of look at all the hitters who've been good over the last week, just I'm just going to read their bad ifs down. This is everyone with a positive, every hitter with a positive war over the last week. 429, 389, 357, 400, 444, 400, 400. They're all way up there. And so that's all going to come down. And when that does, those high strikeout rates that aren't being helped by the low walk rates are, are going to hurt the team. And uh, just to be clear, I said five to one. It's technically 4.48 to one, Doug. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Wisely has a lot of swing and miss. Sable has a lot of swing and miss. You have to expect Bailey is going to have a lot of swing and miss while he's adjusting, you know, getting used to major league pitching. You already have guys in there like J.D. Davis, Mitch Haniger and Conforto kind of coming around, but Mitch Haniger has always been more of a uh, – more strikeouts and walk guy. And with the Giants so far, it's been like, it's ridiculous. I, he has like, what, five walks? I'm not sure. So he has a ridiculous ratio himself, even though in the last week or so, he started to look good. It's as much as I said, are we seeing the Giants at the peak? If this is as approaching the peak and this is the strikeout ratio, that's not going to make for a good summer for them. So seems pretty fair to say. Uh, anything else, Doug, that you found concerning? No, I think we've we've gone through the concerning <laughs> things. I mean, it's, it was over. It was a good week. Like, I don't want to. I don't want to be too negative, but there are kind of warning signs for what's ahead. If with the underlying perform underlying performances, yeah, and I, like if this week there, and we're we're gonna do a little tiny preview. They're gonna play the Pirates, who are fading, and the Orioles, who are ascending. But you know, if something happens when they come home this week to play these six games um it shouldn't become as some tremendous surprise doug uh, one thing about the pirates to keep in mind andrew mccutcheon is back baby he is going out in style 36 year old he's got a 124 ops plus sorry to jump between fan graphs and baseball reference it just loaded faster (laughs) <laughs> 362 on base percentage. Love Andrew McCutcheon. Would be happy to see the Giants' brains bashed in by him. Love him so much. It was, it was so cool when he was on the Giants, even though they never should have made that trade. No. It was so cool for him to have been on the Giants. <laughs> like, both of those things can be true. 
uh, Mitch Keller and and surprisingly uh, Rich Hill are two of their better pitchers. Dick Mountain, there he is. Vince Velasquez, who most teams are really good at teeing off on, he's got, he's got a three eighty six ERA and eight starts, a three ninety FIP. I mean that they've done something to him to make Vince Velasquez that good. His home runs per nine are just one. That's bizarre. That's not the Vince Velasquez I remember. So. Just some things to keep in mind that the the Pirates, uh, as much as they started off the season, what sixteen and eight? What was it? Uh, yeah. They started off nine. They started off twenty and nine uh, at, through April, and now they're six and sixteen here in May, fading a little bit on the road. Still have a winning record, fourteen and twelve. So it'll see. It'll be a good test. I think right now the Giants are basically. Let's see how they do against every team. Right? They've struggled yeah. against teams they shouldn't be. They, to me, the Brewers and the Giants are about the same, and I think they should be better than the Pirates, but not the Orioles. Do you have anything to say about the Orioles? They have a good color scheme. That's what I know about the Orioles. This is a weird thing about uh, this season is that every team is going to play every team at least once. The Orioles are basically – Michael Elias is their GM, and if you listen to that guy talk, it doesn't seem like he's ever had a human emotion in his entire <laughs> life. He's one of those, I only eat raw animal meat and I gamble until the sun comes up. And I believe the only way to make a baseball team is to lose 100 games seven years in a row, get good draft picks. And by the way, when your team is good, trade away good players who are going to get expensive and just keep refreshing and hope one day your roster of league minimum players can shock the world and then you'll be proven to be a genius. That's the entire design thrust of the Michael Iases of the world. That said... There's only one player, uh, Doug, on the Orioles lineup that has a below OP, uh, OPS plus below league average, and that's their shortstop, Jorge Mateo. He's at 87. But Ramon Urias, who's an infielder, who I would assume also plays second base, he's their utility infielder. He's got a 112 OPS plus. So kind of really, they don't have anyone <laughs> that's that's below league average. So they have a really good lineup, and they're pitching – is led by Kyle Gibson. Would you believe it, Doug? No. <laughs> 30 I would, hold on, hold on. I would believe that Kyle Gibson is on the Orioles. Yes. <laughs> would I believe that Kyle Gibson is on the Orioles and also good? No. No, that's a big surprise. So the Giants have handled Kyle Gibson in the past. I'd like to think that as, as crafty as the Orioles are, that they'll be able to do it again uh, at home this weekend. I, I hope we see a splash hit number 100. At some point that that seems like it's in the air. I'm putting it out there again, Doug. We did so well negging the team. Can we <laughs> put something positive out there? And like Michael Conforto, he has the chance to do something that hasn't been done since Barry Bonds, which is, I think, hit a, hit eight home runs in a month for a giant. No giant has done that since I think Bonds in 2004. I want to see him do it. May is not yeah. over yet. <laughs> <Let's> yeah, <go. laughs> he should he should hit one into the water. That's there right. you go. That's our official opinion. Yeah. Michael Conforto should hit a home run into the water before the end of the month. All right. Well, Doug, do you know what you're going to write about this week? Brian, I have no idea. <laughs> uh, but whatever it is, you'll, you guys can find it out with me at giantsdoug.substack.com. Quality writing, not content writing. That's right. It's not content. By Doug Brizzoni. And uh, I'm over at um, an old site that you might have heard of before. Anyway, we're on Fans First Sports Network. 
Check out at FansFirstSN on Twitter. You can find out who the who's covering the Warriors, the 49ers, the Oakland A's. We didn't talk about this, Doug. I'm going to talk about it now. Go to hell, Oakland A's ownership. <laughs> I don't think I've ever... I'm laughing. This is not good. I genuinely hate the people who own the Oakland A's. I think what's happening to Oakland A's is a... Is a crime it's a travesty yeah, it's it's an absolute disgrace they're they're being it's destroyed terrible. it's you look at the movie major league and then you and you go yeah let's do that like that's literally what they did so they can move to las vegas uh john fisher and dave cabal can and uh yeah. just <laughs> i hope <laughs> think of right now Fans first, SN. <laughs> on Twitter, we're at Giants Croncast. Send us your Twitter questions for our end of the month mailbag that we will be recording next week. And until next week, send us your questions. And go Giants! Go Giants!